One, two, three, four, five, six prospects in Baseball America's Top 100. That's some rare air. Good morning to you. Good Thursday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Pirates. Comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or hockey. I also offer up daily shots of Steelers and Penguins right where you found this one. Some moderately good news, and any news right now is welcome news when it comes to Major League Baseball on the Pirates front yesterday with the annual release of B.A.'s Top 100. B.A. is still, by the way, the standard bearer for this sort of thing. Part of me hopes that it always will be. Uh, And I'm not saying that just because I used to be their Pittsburgh correspondent and I actually worked with them on their rankings for several years. The Pirates internal, top 10, top 30. It's just, I, I know of the dedication firsthand of the men and women who work there uh, past and present. And I know of the formulas, the processes that they go through to come up with these lists. They are anything but haphazard. Now more than ever, they involve advanced analytics, advanced criteria, advanced data toward being able to assess properly the progression through a system of a player and what it means. As a small example here, it used to be an arcane bit of information that a player who hits lots of doubles in the minors will wind up hitting lots of homers in the majors. They just kind of grow a little bit, they fill out, and they get better pitches to see. You know what I mean? More often than not, they're going to swing at actual strikes. And when they do that, ball's going to go a longer way. And now, by comparison, that sort of thing is really, really well known, and they can get into much more detailed analysis of prospects What's the right age for a certain type of pitch to come along? Uh, When is a prospect being told to lay off a bread-and-butter pitch just to make sure that they can locate a simple four-seamer? That sort of thing can all be taken into account. And then, of course, there's also the old-school way. You still call the scouts. You still get as much human information as possible, because these are humans that you're dealing with, both for better and worse. And that was also part of what I had to do when I was working for BA and putting together these lists. A lot of it was just, tell me about this kid. What's he like? Is he tough enough to pitch under the lights? So it's valid. MLB Pipeline is there. There are lots of other Uh, outlets that do their own rankings. Fangraphs does them. Fangraphs bases almost everything off of data. That's kind of website Fangraphs is. But BA is still the gold standard. So BA puts six of your guys in their top 100, and you've done something, and it's it's legit. And I'm going to read off here for you the names and the numbers of the Pirates' prospects in their rankings. And reminder, this is 
overall, meaning across Major League Baseball, and it it's everybody from AAA on down uh, without regard to their experience. It's all about their potential, what they can be. O'Neill Cruz tops the list, as you would expect. He's all the way up at number 14. Henry Davis, the number one overall pick in last year's draft, is at 41. The number one overall guys tend to to go pretty high, but Henry starting out at 41 on this list is, it kind of tells you that not everybody was all that excited about that draft class in general. Nonetheless, he is where he is. Nick Gonzalez, a power-hitting second baseman at 49. His infield mate, shortstop, Leo Verpaguero at 78. And then a couple of pitchers for the Pirates are in the 80s. Ruanzi Contreras at exactly 80 and Quinn Priester at 88. Now, there's good and bad to be found all through this list, uh, meaning just the Pirates' six guys. But I'm first going to make very clear that it is a positive to have six guys in the top 100. This portion of Daily Shot of Pirates is brought to you by our friends at North Shore Tavern that's directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. It's home of Steak on a Stone, an eating experience, underscoring the word experience. The steak is brought to you partially cooked on an 800-degree stone, and you do the rest. It's a ton of fun, it's a great meal, and it's a baseball atmosphere like no other in Pittsburgh. North Shore Tavern, right across Federal Street from PNC Park. Now, again, it's not all sunshine and roses with something like this. Priester, you might recall after the pandemic year was being hailed as the next great breakout prospect and his stock had skyrocketed, uh, that he was on a trajectory to become the number one pitching prospect in baseball. And they were looking mostly at extremely limited information because there was no minor league season in 2020. They were holed up. The Pirates kids were in a satellite camp in Altoona, barely able to cobble enough players to have, you know, even exhibition games, little scrimmages. So Priester, I I wouldn't categorize the season that he just had as some kind of step backward. If anything, he did continue to progress, but he's visibly not exciting scouts and uh, people doing analytics the way he had a year earlier. And looking at the other extreme, Cruz, you could make easy arguments for Cruz to be higher. Uh, Most observers feel that he's got the best raw power of like anyone in the minor leagues. And depending on how much you value that and how much you believe that he could stay at shortstop and deliver that power from that position, maybe he'd be seen as more valuable to a baseball team than some of the players above him. But again, that's not the way they do this. The way they do this is pure potential, regardless of position, regardless of the priority that that position takes on your team. It's a feather. It's a feather to all concerned, and in particular, Ben Charrington, because this was the plan 
from the outset, he made very clear that he wanted to put a lot of high ceiling types into the pirate system and have them just kind of duke it out on their way up to Pittsburgh and they could sort it all out when they get here. This is both quantity and quality. But if anyone's expecting Charrington to sound like super crazy excited about this, you're thinking of the wrong guy. This was Charrington yesterday in his meeting with reporters. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's feedback. It's not, um, there's no single single piece of perfect feedback, but it's feedback and it's signal of, of progress, we think. And um, as I said before, like, we, we just got to be totally focused and maniacal about getting better and building building young player talent all the time in every way we possibly can um it is important from time to time to like look at what others are saying and get a hopefully what you'd think would be an objective and unbiased opinion on progress and so that's one of them there's there's a lot of them but that's one of them and um you know we do pay attention to it because it's it's a it's an opinion outside the pirates and um it's important that we get feedback outside the pirates outside validation um i gotta tell you here these things don't mean all that much to front offices that know what they're doing they meant a lot to the previous front office because they were interested in putting on a false face they wanted you to think that they had a lot of outstanding prospects and that they were building this wonderful farm system when they were doing nothing of the kind. So they would actually get involved in uh, influencing in their own way how some of these rankings would turn out by really talking up not only their system, but their kids. Now the Pirates haven't had this many players inside the top 100 for BA since 2014. And that, of course, happened under that management. And I know exactly what you're thinking. So here it comes. You ready for the list? These are the seven players who made it onto the list that year. Number 10 was Gregory Polanco. Absolutely should have been there. He was just annihilating the baseball. And he did when he first came up. You'll recall to Pittsburgh, his problems all came later. Number 22 was Jamison Tyone, which was kind of a tough place for a number two overall pick to be. He'd, of course, end up with his own issues. Number 46 was Tyler Glass now. You don't need to hear more from me about him. Number 49, Austin Meadows, ditto. 64 was Nick Kingham, who was given this strange... Uh, irrational ranking throughout his rise in the minors. I never understood. Never understood. 76 was Alan Hansen. You might remember him had a cup of coffee here, went on to the White Sox. Really not that much come of his career. And 81 was Reese McGuire, who was never taken seriously as a catching prospect by anybody, even though, to his credit, he eventually did make it up with the Blue Jays. This was not some transformational group. Maybe it should have been had there been development uh, that exceeded the level of talent or at least matched the level of talent. 
in the case of glass now and meadows, we're getting into trays. You get the idea. None of this is none of this is cast in stone. But the more of these types of players that you have, the better off you are. So you know what? Cap tip right here. Six guys in the top 100. That's impressive. Get them to Pittsburgh someday. You know, when we come back, just one question. Welcome back. It's time for Just One Question, and today's comes from John Gruchowski. He asks, and this is perfect given today's subject matter, other than, say, Nick Gonzalez, who, in your opinion, are three other Pirates prospects that the average Pirates fan should start paying some attention to? Well, I just went through a bunch of names on that other list, so mine wouldn't really vary much from what's on there. I'd have to really be going off the reservation to suggest that the Pirates have another prospect who should bump one of those six that are in the top 100. Now, if you're asking me for just three to isolate out of that group, Cruz is obviously one of them. Rowanzi Contreras is another. And then Nick Gonzalez is the third. I really... I have to see Henry Davis to believe he can stay at catcher. When you show up into the professional ranks and one of the things that you need to work on is your defense, of course it can happen. But if you're a big bat and you're a catcher who needs to learn how to hold that complex position down, I'm sorry. I'm going to be inclined to believe that you're going to move to another position at some point in your career. Wouldn't mind being wrong on that count. It wouldn't be the first time that I was. One of the things that's neat, though, about this system is that we've also seen uh, blips on the radar from other prospects who at times have looked like they belong in this conversation. Someone like Matt Frazier, he's a guy uh, who's shown an awful lot in, in Greensboro and then finally got his elevation to Altoona uh, at the plate. He's a guy that I can tell you when I mention the system or anything about the system to Kibrian Hayes, he lights up and starts talking about Frazier right away. Uh, just loves the kid. Uh, how about Rodolfo Castro? Let's not forget about him. He showed up last summer and whipped up five home runs right away. I mean, who does that? You know, that was a part of baseball history. Uh, if it's in there, it's in there, as Clint Hurdle used to say. If you see it once, you can see it again. And that was a lot of confidence and a lot of poise that went into pulling that off right after getting out of the rental car from Altoona. Uh, very impressive. And the fact that he struggled later on, you know, that's going to happen too. That's going to happen. But don't forget about him is all I'm saying. I I'd like to see him start out. In Indianapolis, obviously, at some point, he's got to make it to AAA and stick around there and do some damage before he makes his way up. But that's not somebody that you should just, you know, forget about. And the other ones I could throw in are the, a couple other pitchers at the Greensboro level, Carmen Lajinski, Jared Jones. Uh, they're part of that rotation down there along with Priester that uh, a lot of people inside the organization see as the real cavalry. Once they make it to Pittsburgh and you have 
some high-end type pitchers, you can start thinking a lot bigger, a lot more quickly. I should mention Andy Rodriguez, too. That's the catcher that the Pirates acquired as part of the three-team trade that sent Joe Musgrove to San Diego. He came from the Mets system. He hit really well for high A Bradenton. So I, I've thrown over the course of this episode either 10 or 11 total names your way. I'm not going to be able to differentiate too much more among them other than the three that I singled out here in this segment. So stick with those guys. Stick with those guys. Pay attention to how they do. And you know what? This summer, they might be all you're watching. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Pirates. Let's do another one tomorrow.